God is good, isn't he? Just, just, uh, just singing this uh, hallelujah and being reminded that hallelujah means praise the Lord. Uh, it's so sweet to, to, just, to just come before the Lord and say hallel to Yah, to Yahweh. Hallel to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Uh, pray with me, please. Father God, our, our hearts delight in your presence. Our hearts fill up in your presence. Our hearts rejoice, my Father, in the midst of in the midst of receiving the heaviness of coming into your presence, for it is a heavy thing to come before you. Father, I, I fear disappointing you. And yet your mercy is so great and so marvelous. And your goodness surpasses all good works that we may even do. I pray, my Father in heaven, that you would give us your Holy Spirit and that our hearts be open to you, our spirits be open to you, our ears be open to you. Open our lives, O oh Father God, that in all things we would glorify you. We give ourselves to you now. We ask you to teach us and to give us a glimpse of the heavenly realms. We adore you and praise you always, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be together worshiping the Lord. Yes, no. That was a question. Um, this morning, I, I had plans, and I have plans, uh, that we would um, kind of move away a little bit from the normal lectionary that, that we have. Um, the lessons that, that normally would have been the lessons for, for today, I have changed because what I actually want to do today is I want to observe um, All Saints Day. Um, All Saints Day is actually celebrated on November 1st. November 1st every year is set as the day in which the church observes and celebrates and remembers all of the saints of God. It is unfortunate that last week, the day we remember the most is not All Saints Day, but Halloween. It is unfortunate because somehow Halloween has taken over 
the observation of All Saints' Day even among believers, especially if you have little children or if you have grandchildren. And Halloween actually is a word that actually means the eve of All Hallows' Day. The eve of All Saints' Day is what's celebrated on the evening of Halloween. That's where the word Halloween comes from, from All Hallows. And hollow is from the Greek word for holy or for saint. So Halloween actually is the day in which believers should be celebrating and preparing for the celebration of All Saints Day on November 1st. But that is not what happens. Somehow, unfortunately, the culture has taken over that day, and what we have is witches and, and, um, and goblins and monsters and, and all sorts of things uh, celebrated by many even of our children. And, and we only know of the somewhat innocent things that happen in Halloween because there are terrible and ugly and destructive and awful things that also happen in Halloween. And I'm not talking about the pranks that sometimes are played on Halloween, especially teenagers. I mean, when I was a teen, I also played some pranks on neighbors and, and did some things that maybe today I wouldn't do. I'm sure today I wouldn't do. Um, some of my neighbor's windows or, or doors were showered with eggs. I wouldn't want it today in my house. But, I mean, teens do all kinds of uh, pranks on Halloween, and, and those are bad, but they're sort of innocent compared with some of the things I have heard that actually happen in the underground with Satanism and some of the things that actually happen where animals may be killed. And even I've heard uh, deep inside some of these places, even some I've, people have talked to me about uh, human sacrifices that happen on, on Halloween. And, I mean, we only know the surface kind of celebration that happens, but it's a day that has been taken over by, by evil in some ways. Even when the church tries to make it a good uh, celebration, and some churches do trunk or treat, uh, we used to do at, our, at my previous church, we used to do a party for the children on Halloween, but no monsters allowed. It was all uh, good costumes, princesses, princes, um, um, you know, just, just nice costumes. 
you know, uh, just, just things that, that we could celebrate and actually we would give uh, a prize for the nicest costume and, and we would give the children tracks and we would tell them about All Saints Day and, and we tried to keep it Christian and in the midst of having the children have fun. And we would do some candies and, and we would have food. And, but it's not always that way on Halloween. But November 1st is the day that we celebrate all of God's saints. We celebrate the, the saints that have gone on to be with the Lord. We tend to focus, whenever we think of All Saints Day, we want to think of the dead in Christ who are in the presence of God. And we should. I think it's a day to remember. I especially would encourage you always to remember on All Saints Day those people that brought you to the Lord and may not be here anymore. I would want you to remember pastors from the past that sacrificed and, and did all they, they could uh, to, to bring you to the Lord. Or, or that neighbor, or that friend, or that grandparent who prayed for you, and who taught you, and who read scripture with you, and they're no longer with us. And I do want on All Saints Day definitely to remember my parents, and to remember others uh, that I, even among you, people that I have done funerals for, uh, and, and your dear ones have gone to be with the Lord. I think it's a day to thank God for all those people who have preceded us into his presence. But I think we would be wrong if we make All Saints Day only about remembering the dead in Christ. I think All Saints Day is also a day for the living saints. I mean, when we think of saints, we tend to think of St. Peter, St. Paul, or this or that. But in reality, is that Peter and Paul, whenever they wrote their letters and wrote them to the saints, they were not writing to the dead in Christ. They were writing very much to the living in Christ, who were the saints of God. And so today... In my observance of All Saints Day, I don't just want to celebrate those who have gone before me and before us in the presence of God. I want to celebrate you. I want to celebrate the saints of God who are today bringing others to Christ. I want to celebrate the, the, the living saints in whom the Lord is also alive and working and effective and who has expectations for you and for me. So All Saints Day, I want to celebrate all of God's saints, the dead in Christ and the living in Christ. The word saint actually comes from the word for holy. Hagios in Greek is the word holy. And holy actually means separated. Separated for Christ or set apart for the service of Christ. That's what it means to be holy. That's what it means to be a saint. Someone that God by his grace has moved from the roles of sinners into the roles of saints. 
for whom God has moved in their lives and their lives have been transformed like you and mine. Our lives have been changed. Our lives have been changed. We have been transformed. What we were at one time in our lives, we no longer are. We have been set aside by the work of the Holy Spirit who continues to work in us because I think we're not just made saints and that's it. I think we're in a process of sainthood, in a process of holiness, and I don't think it'll ever be finished in our lifetime until we come to the Lord. Amen? I mean, we're all in that process. I still am in the process of being made more like Christ. I haven't yet grown up to the stature of Christ. I still have to go to the Word. The Word needs to correct me. The Word needs to challenge me. The Word needs to do its job in me so that I can continue to grow and become more and more like Christ. And so do you. And so today, I want to celebrate you, and I want to celebrate those who are no longer with us. We have been set apart for Christ and for the service of our Lord. Why do I want to celebrate All Saints Day? I want to celebrate All Saints Day rather than just let it go by and say, well, that was a Tuesday. Let's move on to the to the 27th Sunday of Pentecost. I don't want to do that. I want us to go back because I want to teach you. And I want to spend some time in teaching you about All Saints Day, but I also want to exhort you in that life of holiness. I want to exhort you to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord, to continue to grow in being a saint of God, one of his elect, one of his saints. I want that exhortation. Uh, And finally, I want to encourage you in your walk until we all get to that place where others have preceded us. So I, I want to talk a little bit about that place that we know God is waiting for us in the heavens. I want to kind of take you there. And for that reason, I want to teach you today from the book of Revelations. The book of Revelations, and uh, in your inserts, is the first lesson you can follow there. But because I'm going to go a little beyond the book of, beyond chapter 7, which is in your inserts, you may want to pull your Bibles if you brought your Bibles, because I'm going to be taking you a little bit through a little and quick journey through some of the parts of, of the book of Revelations. Now, very few times you're going to hear sermons on the book of Revelations. In fact, I don't think that they are in the lectionary quite a lot. We spent, I mean, I've spent a lot of time teaching the book of Revelations. I have taught it twice to a small group, and I have also taught it through the internet 
to a group of people who just wanted to study with me through the computers, through the internet. And I would give them questions on particular chapters, and they would go do their homework, and then they'll respond to me, and then I'll read it and correct them or guide them in a different way. But I, we, we have a group of people who are studying Scripture through the internet. Uh, right now we are studying the book of John. And we are, believe, uh, I believe we've finished chapter 7, so tomorrow I'll be sending out the questions for chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. But so I've done that in, on the book of Revelations. But today I want to take you a little bit, and it has to be a quick journey. I just have something in my heart that I want to share with you. The book of Revelations is the last book of the Bible. It is the book about a vision that God revealed to his son, Jesus Christ, who then gave it to one of his messenger, an angel, and the angel then gives it to the disciple, John. So the author of Revelation is truly God, who reveals a plan of the future for his saints, and Jesus comes and gives it to an angel. The angel gives it to John. John had been living after Peter and Paul had been killed. John had moved into the area of Asia Minor, where is the city of Ephesus, Thyatira, Philadelphia, uh, Laodicea, and some of the other uh, churches that had been planted there. Because of the preaching of the gospel, John had been arrested, already an old person, an old man. Uh, he's the only of the disciples, by the way, who did not die a martyr. He died of old age. John is the only one who lasted all through his life preaching the gospel since he met Jesus. But he was arrested, and he was exiled to a small little island on the west-south-southwest of Asia Minor. Uh, a little island there that was pretty much uninhabited, and it's the island of Patmos. And it is, according to John, he is there on the first day of the week. It was a Sunday morning. And he's worshiping God on the day of the resurrection, when all of a sudden he sees a vision where the Lord appears to him in ways that he only you would have to read it to see the description of how Jesus appears to him. But Jesus appears to him, and an angel comes and gives him the message. And the whole of the first two chapters, I believe, or the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, is this messenger of Jesus telling John things to write to the church. Because the church needed the Word of God. And the church had somehow at times, because of the culture, they had lost their first love. Okay? And, and Jesus tells John, through this messenger, to write to each of the churches, to point out the good things they had done, but also the bad things that they were doing, and how they were neglecting their walk with the Lord and allowing the culture to take over. That's the first three chapters, pretty much chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelations. And then John is writing to these churches. 
as we enter the fourth chapter of the book of Revelations, we see this. John says in chapter 4, verse 1, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Having written these letters, the whole process is changed in a moment where all of a sudden John looks to heaven and there is a door that opens up, there is an entryway, and a voice comes to John and says, come up here. And of course, he couldn't go there in physical form. So what he says is that he all of a sudden, in some miraculous way, was in the Spirit. And it's very similar to what happened with Ezekiel. You know, where God's hand just kind of seemed to reach down and grab him by his hair and, and just pulled him up to heaven to show him things that no one else could see. John is moved in the spirit and his spirit ascends in this vision through that door into the heavenly realm and he is ushered into the throne room of God. Now imagine that. The throne room of God. And as John enters the throne room, the first thing that attracts his attention is in the middle of this room, there is an altar. There's, there's a, a, a seat, a throne. There's a throne. And there's one seated on the throne. He's unable to describe the one seated on the throne he, he doesn't describe him and say his eyes were this color or he had a beard or, or his hair was like this. Or All he can do to describe what is undescribable about God is be, he began to use precious stones and precious pearls and precious crystals and precious things to describe the undescribable. He just uses the most precious things that he knows in this life to describe the one seated there on the throne. And, and pretty much all of chapter 4 is a description of him that sits on the throne. And then all of a sudden, this one that is on the throne has a book that no one can open. And he says, who can open this? And no one can open it. And people begin to cry. And, and John begins to be very concerned that no one can open the book. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes into the scene. And he's the Lion of Judah. But he comes in as a lamb that has been slain. And he takes his place at the right hand of God's throne. And to him is given this book, which he's going to begin to unseal. And every time Jesus unseals one of the books, something happens on earth. But I'm not going to take you there. I just want to continue to deal with the, the throne room of God. Because as we move on, 
Not only is the throne room and then Jesus at his right hand, but the Holy Spirit is described in in marvelous ways being to the left of the throne. And then we are told that there are these four so-called living creatures. And there's there's a little bit of a a graphic of of what it is as the Bible describes the the living creatures. Uh, Some of them have... The, the face of an eagle, and they had angels, another a lion, another a bull, etc. And I mean, it's, it's described as four living creatures. One is the, the figure of a man uh, with, with wings, and, and they're strange figures. But what they do is they describe all of creation, the creation the way God intended it to be, all around the temple, these four living creatures. And as we continue with John's description of the throne room of God, he then describes 24 elders seated all around the throne. And the thing I want you to see with me is the way John describes these concentric circles. In the very center is the throne room of God. It's the throne of God with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Around that is the four living creatures. Around that are the 24 elders. And some people have wanted to define who these elders are. And some say, well, they must be the 12 prophets and the 12 apostles. The reality is nobody knows. What we can only tell you is that's the counsel of God. That's the counsel of God. There are 24 elders, and they have crowns in their heads. And they sit around the throne of God. And whenever the living creatures begin to worship God, all these elders take their crown off their head, they put it on the ground, and they all fall down and begin to worship Him who sits on the throne. And worship is going on day and night before the Lord constantly. And then, uh, you know, as the seals begin to be opened, then all of a sudden you hear of the beginning of tribulation and the four horsemen of the tribulation. And I think there is kind of a, a picture of that as well. One is death, the other one is famine, and so on and so on. And, and every time Jesus opens one of the seals, something is unleashed in heaven that, that comes and hurts the earth. Every time something opens up in heaven, it's like a mandate from the Lord and something happens in heaven. And then you have the description of the 144,000 Jewish men of God. 144,000 that are described, I think, in, at, at the beginning of, of chapter 7. And then we are told that there are angels in heaven that the angels are also all around the throne of God. So in the center is the throne and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Then around that, the four living creatures. Then around that, the 24 elders. And then around them, there's myriads of myriads of thousands of thousands of angels all worshiping the Lord, the one who sits on the throne. And us... John continues to describe this and the worship of God. We come to the chapter that was read today. 
And John says, beginning with verse 9 of chapter 7, after these things, after the things I've just kind of described to you, he says, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number. And please notice that. Because the angels could be numbered. There were myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands of thousands. But this multitude, not even a number can be given to them. It says, a multitude, a multitude, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, of all tribes, of all peoples, of all tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God. And then one of the elders says to John, who are these people? And John says, I have no idea who they are. You know, tell me. And this is what the elder says to John and to us. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. These are the ones that escape the great tribulation. They come out. They are gone from the earth. And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and they serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. And lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. See, these are the saints of God. These are the saints of God currently who are worshiping God. Who have left this earth. But they are His and they're never lost. They're in the presence of Almighty God, in the throne room of God, worshiping Him as much as we are His saints today here on earth. It is just a beautiful picture that John paints for us, these concentric circles. These concentric circles around the throne of God. And these people are human beings. They come from every tribe, every language, every color, every height. They come from, from the Roman period all the way to a period you and I cannot even imagine. These are the saints of God. This is every single person who has ever claimed Jesus as Lord and Savior for whom he died and his blood washed away their sins. Therefore, they're dressed in white, which is the, co the color of purity. It's not their purity. It is the purity of Christ imputed upon them. They have been made holy not by their deeds. They have been made holy by the grace of God. Their faith has brought them to the Lord who died for them and gave them eternal life. 
and they have palm branches in their hands, which are a sign of victory. And whenever they worship, all of heaven worships with them. And they all fall down before the throne and before him who sits on the throne. And then it's so beautiful when it is described that they are shepherded and sheltered by God. Their shepherd, Jesus, will shelter them. See, in this life we will go through many difficult things. And we will experience pain. And we will experience hunger and thirst. And not just physical hunger or or physical thirst. It is the pain of the heart of human beings who long for something better than what we have on earth. Who long for complete health who long for, for love, who love, long for everything that is good, and yet we cry out, Lord, how long? In heaven, there's none of the pains that you and I experience. The sun will not strike them anymore, nor heat. They will be shepherded and sheltered by him who loves them with the purest of loves. And every tear that possibly we will shed on earth will be wiped away. And every sorrow and every pain and every cry will find satisfaction and joy in the presence of the Lord. And that, my friends, is what I believe our saints of God are experiencing right now. I believe, I believe my father and my mother are part of that group. I believe that your believers, your, your, your fathers, your mothers, your brothers, your sisters, that the people of God will never be lost to the glory of God. And they will be enjoying that presence. As we look forward to it, they're already enjoying it. But that is also what we have to look up to. And the thing that is so beautiful, my friends, is that if you notice the description of of John the attention of every one of the circles, the concentric circles, it's all toward the center. There's only one that deserves the glory and the praise and the honor. All of the attention is to the throne. All of the praise is to the throne. All of the worship is to the throne. All of the expectations is to the throne. And from the throne comes all these blessings. From the throne comes the wiping away tears. From the throne comes the, the, the protection from heat and, and the protection from being hurt by anything. But our attention is one directional. It's to the throne. And we bring our worship and our praise and our honor. And I believe you and I need to learn to do that today so that we're ready when we're home. Our worship needs to be always not focused on whether they missed the key or whether the choir is doing this or whether Father Jose missed this. Or All our attention in worship needs to be toward the throne, 
toward the throne, toward the one that sits on the throne. We are all instruments of God, but the audience is God Almighty. We are not here to entertain you. God is the audience of all that we do. You and I are the performers. But the direction is centered on him who sits on the throne. And we need to live that way. And we need to worship that way. But the thing that is also of interest to me, and I want you to realize, as much as that looks fantastic, and it sounds amazing, and in fact, I know some people that say to me all the time, Father Jose, I want to go home already. I already want to be there. The reality is that we're not there yet. And God still has a plan for the church. And you and I are responsible for that plan and to carry it out. Let me ask you one question. Is there someone in your life today that you would like to see in the throne of God one day? Is there someone around you that you would like to see in that throne room worshiping God? If you want to see them there, you have to reach them here on this earth today. If there's someone you love passionately, you can't neglect one single moment of bringing them to experience the holiness of God, the transformation of God, so that we all indeed can be together one day. Is there someone you think is expendable? Is there someone that you would say, nah, not him, not her? Because if you want to see everybody in heaven, in the throne room of God, receiving all the blessing of God, you and I need to touch him today. We, as a church, are in the business of making saints, of turning sinners into saints, of bringing them to Jesus. That is the business of the church. We have no other business. It's not about buildings. It's not about anything. It is about making saints. It is about turning sinners into saints. Is there someone in your life that you think you need to be dedicating extra prayer, extra work, extra conversation, extra love? And by the way, you don't have to know the Bible from cover to cover. The only thing you have to do is be a Christian and behave like a Christian and show them what a Christian is like. Just live your Christianity. Don't preach it if you're not going to live it. You actually do more damage if you preach and don't live it. Live Christ. Live Christ among the people you love and let them see the kind of things God does in your life, in anyone's life. We are not home yet, and hopefully we won't be there for a while until our time comes. But in the meantime, the church has a job. We have a job, a job of us growing more and more and more into the holiness of God. But we have a job toward 
relatives. We all have relatives that don't know the Lord. I have relatives that don't know the Lord. You see, that day that comes, if they have chosen not to hear me, it's on them. But if they haven't heard because I haven't spoken to them, it's on me. And the neglect is on me. So when we celebrate All Saints Day, I want to remember and thank God for every saint that has preceded us who have carried the gospel and kept the light lit up until this day so that you and I could enter. Every single Christian who has died, whether a martyr or not, in whom shoulders or whom shoulders we stand on. We stand on the shoulders of so many Christians of so many centuries. And hopefully those that come behind us will stand on our shoulders and we will keep the flame bright. We must keep the flame bright and not let it be confused with, with the culture or shut down by the culture. We are God's saints. And the living saints have a responsibility. A tremendously glorious and hard at times responsibility. So when we celebrate All Saints Day, we celebrate those that are in the heavens. But I also celebrate every single one of you who is working hard and serving Christ. But we're not there yet, so we better do our job here and now. Many, many, many years ago, I, I cut off something on a magazine that I saw, and I believe it's in my Bible somewhere because I put things in my Bible. But what it said was is that it basically, the writer says that everybody says that when you die, you can't take anything with you. And, and he says, but that's not true. When you die, you can take the soul of everyone you touch on earth. You can take him home with you. Every soul that you bring to Christ will one day be in the throne room of God, worshiping him with you. That you can take with you. Not houses, not bank accounts, not anything like that. But every soul you touch, you saints of God, will be home one day. So today we celebrate. We celebrate our ministries. We celebrate what God is doing in us and through us. We celebrate and we celebrate all those men and women of God who are in his presence and who have blessed us so much. I celebrate my Sunday school teachers. When I was a child and I had no idea what it was all about or whether I would ever be a priest. But I celebrate those, those women. In my case, there were a couple of women. And you know what? I'll never forget their faces. And it's been a long time. But they sacrificed to give me the gospel. And I celebrate every pastor that I have heard and who's not with us anymore who sacrificed so that I could hear the gospel from the pulpit. And I celebrate every lay person who has had a part in my life that has led me to this place and to this moment. And they're in heaven today, most of them. But I celebrate them.
but I also celebrate you. You are God's living saints, the church of Jesus Christ. So we're going home, but we're not there yet. So let's do our job until that time comes. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please.